Today on Not Sam Wrestling, is the WWE really open for business? Controversy abound with reports that superstars are being sent back to the Performance Center, WrestleMania rumors, and the one thing that wrestling is missing. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. How is everybody doing? Happy Monday. Happy beginning to another fabulous wrestling week. It was a crazy wrestling weekend. So much stuff going on. And it's amazing with technology how, you know, there was there would always be, theoretically, since the dawn of wrestling, you know, there there have been many, many, many weekends where it's just been shows and shows and shows happening. But now that everything is streaming and everybody has the ability to watch everything and the, and the local wrestling show has so easily become a global wrestling show that you actually have to make choices. You don't have it's almost a luxury going like, well, I wish I could see that, but I can't. So I'll watch this one instead now. You actually have to make the choice of, no, I could watch that one, but I have to watch this one because there's this app and there's that app and there's pay-per-view and there's television and there's everything imaginable. But, I mean, this weekend alone, it was between Friday and Saturday, WWE, UFC, AAA, Impact, uh, what was it, New Japan, and those are all big shows. Big shows from all of those companies. I mean, I'm counting SmackDown as a big show. You're probably sitting there going like, what did I miss from WWE this weekend? Well, SmackDown's a big show, especially with the uh, Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns thing bubbling up. By the way, if reports are true that they're holding back on doing Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns because that might be a WrestleMania match, that would be amazing. But we'll talk about WrestleMania. There's a lot of rumored WrestleMania stuff uh, that hit the internet this weekend, so uh, I'll give my opinion on all that. There's a lot of controversial thing hap- things happening that I think we're going to talk about today on the Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I'm a little bit uh, exhausted. I spent most of the day. I-, I was planning on coming down and recording this podcast early in the day on Sunday. Get it done early. Be done by late afternoon early evening at latest and just have the rest of Sunday into Sunday night in front of me. But time slips away, you know. I mean, as some of you know, people who are on Patreon and uh, Patreon members at a certain level, they can see the studio and maybe they notice and maybe they don't. But it's all like little lighting tweaks. I just sit there for hours and hours and hours doing tiny little minor tweaks that I completely notice. And then I put the product out and nobody, nobody notices. But still, it would drive me crazy if I didn't do it. So, you know, this is also, this has become a studio where I'm not only streaming, but I'm doing a, a television show. This is where I shoot the WWE Network show out of Not Sam Wrestling. Which, by the way, if I could take a second to tell people how much I appreciate, I appreciate both groups. Of, well, I mean, I appreciate you just for listening to this podcast, right? The people who listen to this podcast, especially the ones that subscribe and leave a review and download every week and do all that. Just doing that is amazing to me. You know, just the fact that anybody is doing that is incredible, and I appreciate that so much. I have so a tremendous level of appreciation for the people that go the extra mile and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash wrestling and become Not Sam Shells. Those are the people who, you know, between all the shows that we do, the, the live stuff that we do on the Patreon, constantly in the Discord room, the bonus podcasts that we put out every Thursday where we actually get a lot done on those Thursday, Not Sam Thursday podcasts. Um, between all that, I appreciate you guys so much and all the people that have been tuning in. And it seems like every week we catch a little more momentum, a little more momentum. All the people that are tuning in and watching Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network. You know, uh, I, I made the decision at the very beginning of the process, and I'll probably talk about this more in a few weeks, but... At the very beginning of the process, I made the decision to make the WWE Network show a completely separate entity, to to share a brand and a spirit with this podcast. But ultimately, I wanted to create a show that was completely fan-centric and that was kind of evergreen. So you could go back and, and, and watch episodes 
of not Sam wrestling on the WWE network whenever. So it becomes a very nostalgic show because if we're covering, you know, topical stuff, that's not exactly, you don't want to go back three months from now and, and, and listen to my hot takes on what's breaking on the internet at this very moment. So, uh, the fact that it's kind of working, I'm putting so much work into that show, uh, and, and trying to create the best possible content that I can create for it. So it's just me and hot dog working on it, but I really appreciate all you guys that are, that are, uh, sitting back and, and enjoying it and watching it every week and tweeting about it and doing all that because it's a lot of fun to do. We're going to have another new episode on Thursday that I think you guys are going to get a huge kick out of. Uh, this week, it'll be all centered around music. Uh, last week, the current episode that's up now, it's all about influence and who influenced who and who was influenced by who. The one coming out this Thursday, the new episodes drop every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern on the WWE Network. This is going to be all about music. So it's favorite themes and albums, and I'll have a guest on and the whole thing. So... I think that you guys will get a real kick out of it. I know I had a lot of fun making it. Uh, but it does bring me to the first point that I want to talk about uh, on the podcast, and that is this uh, this idea that, that business has changed and the way business is done has changed as far as content creators go. You know, that, that when I started this podcast 321 weeks ago, this is episode, that's crazy. This is episode 321. So, 321 weeks ago, when I started Not Sam Wrestling, the idea, the business was not quite fleshed out yet. And then slowly but surely, you started to figure out advertising and you started to figure out podcast networks, which I never joined one because, I don't know, I still haven't found one where I think I'm a perfect fit for. I think I'm okay being independent, but... um. And, and you started figuring out new ways to create content and new ways to deliver content. And Patreon became a thing. And then visual representations of the podcasts became a thing. And, and it just grew and grew and grew. And you see, like, you know, I think I think Colt Cabana had so much to do with the beginning of wrestling podcasts and everything. I think, you know, guys like Steve Austin and Chris Jericho had so much to do with the idea of these high-profile superstars getting into the podcast game. And then Conrad Thompson comes along and, and does amazing things for the podcast business, the business of wrestling podcasts as a whole. Number one, he definitely made people look at the way podcasts are done a little differently in terms of length, in terms of how we cover things nostalgically and whatnot. But the business of it uh, changed a lot then too. But business is a forever changing thing. There was a, a quote that Triple H was responsible for recently, I think it was on the uh, media call before TakeOver War Games, and we didn't get to it last week because uh, we had a, a, a fabulous interview with Jamie Kilstein, and because I wanted to talk about my observations of War Games and the Capitol Wrestling Center. But the quote from Triple H was uh, something to the effect of, we're open for business, in response to a question about WWE potentially working with other promotions. Of course, this coming on the heels of AEW and Impact clearly working together, which, by the way, we're going to talk about today. I know you're going like, what? You're not allowed to talk about that stuff. Well, I just told you this is an independent podcast. Every choice that's made on this podcast is a choice that I make. So today I'm going to probably, I think I'm going to choose to talk about it unless I don't get to it. And this was all just one big tease. But Triple H said we're open for business. And, and some people responded to that skeptically. Some people responded to that with hope. Uh, and and people, I think, whether you believed it or not, instantly started thinking about all the different possibilities about what that could mean. But I think that the weird thing to me was that people acted like that was new information, that as if WWE's philosophy had recently changed and that they were now open for business, when I think that that's been the philosophy of WWE for years and years now. I don't think it's always been that way. You know, I think in even up until the ruthless aggression era, I think that WWE was a, a notoriously shut door company that was in WWE and that was out of WWE. And that was it. But, you know, and I talked to this a few weeks ago on the podcast with Rob Schamberger, a, a small business like that, an artist who's on the Internet making watercolor paintings 
of WWE superstars. The WWE realizes that there's potential here. They don't want to buy out the business. There was a time when WWE would just go, okay, let's buy out your business and you'll be an employee of ours. Or stop painting our superstars. But that's not what they did. They were like, well, what makes the most sense business-wise is he already knows what he's doing. What if we just partnered with his business? You know, I think having, having not to make it about myself, but having people like me and Peter Rosenberg on the panels. Pat McAfee is a great example. I'd say Pat McAfee and myself are, are, are fabulous examples where I'm going to come on. Let's be honest. You look at the, at the War Games kickoff show, the War Games pre-show this weekend, and what I realized was like, okay, when I first got to NXT, when I first started doing NXT pre-shows, it was, I want to say it was me, Charlie, and Nigel McGuinness. And I want to say the next one was me, Charlie, and Samoa Joe. And I think there were there might there might have been one in there with Corey Graves and maybe Lita, maybe. And eventually, maybe a year in or so, Pat McAfee showed up. And for a while, the standard takeover group was Charlie Caruso, Pat McAfee, and Sam Roberts. Then you know, the pandemic hit and, and Pat McAfee all of a sudden became an NXT superstar. And it was Sam Roberts and Scott Stanford from Connecticut. Then, as of this week or, or last week or whenever War Games was, yours truly and Wade Barrett. And I realized that I am the longest tenured member of the NXT kickoff show. I And I'm not even a WWE employee. I'm sitting there hosting a radio show every morning on Sirius XM. I'm doing this podcast completely on my own. I've got a show on the WWE Network that editorially I am completely responsible for and I produce. They ask for a show, I give them a show, and that's I deliver them a show once a week. And it's not, that's the partnership, which you would think is unheard of. Pat McAfee the same way. I mean, Pat McAfee, you hear... He's he's wrestling. He's now wrestling in the main events of two different takeovers. And when he's not on takeover, he's hosting his, his Pat McAfee show. He's running his business the way he was running it before. But WWE realized they were open for business with somebody like me, with somebody like Pat McAfee. Um, when the conversation of wrestling promotions comes in, WWE is all always been like that. I mean, let's be honest. We find out it is private personal information, but apparently, according to everybody that was around, WWE was was chipping a lot of money. What's that? Chipping a what's that? Was chipping what's that? Was chipping a lot of money in to ECW when ECW was around. That's that's WWE partnering with another promotion, you know? How about uh 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 more recently Evolve and WWE's partnership which with Evolve, which has which has progressed. How about their relationship with Progress? I swear that wasn't planned. But the relationship they have with all the promotions in the UK, the fact that there's now independent promotions on the WWE network, the fact that when Evolve was still running shows, which they're not anymore, there would be NXT talent popping in. And then, you know, so many Evolve people would end up feeding into NXT and Evolve acted independently. But Evolve had a live show as well, don't forget on the WWE Network. It still acted as an independent organization, but it also became a feeder system to NXT because that's where the business made sense for both parties. So I I, I think that when WWE says business is open, they mean business is open the way business has always been open. Um, When we look at, at, at what that should mean and what would be great for them and when what is a fan, I feel like would benefit us the most. It's probably too late now, but I, I said this a year ago, I'm sure. I've said this, I've, I've, I've been saying this for a long time. I wish that WWE had purchased uh, Impact's tape library. You know, I don't know that WWE needs to purchase Impact as a promotion. They already have NXT. They are, you know, I, I, I don't know that they already have NXT UK. I don't know what WWE would benefit from that, but I do know that if they had bought the tape library, it would give WWE access to, you know, the last 10, 15 years of, of TNA stuff, which is full of history 
of many of the top superstars of WWE. Imagine the document. First of all, imagine the documentaries that we could just get about TNA. The fact that Jeff Jarrett is now on the WWE payroll. Jeff Jarrett is a behind the scenes official, a worker. He's a person who works for WWE. Imagine the great TNA documentaries that we could get. We have Jeff Jarrett. We have Bruce Pritchard, who spent time working in TNA. WWE obviously still has a relationship with Eric Bischoff. We can get Eric Bischoff on that stuff. And we can have these documentaries where we have Eric Bischoff, Jeff Jarrett, Bruce Pritchard, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, all these people that were cornerstones of TNA and of Impact Wrestling can really sit there and tell the story and they can do it in a way that the WWE can pull it off. They can use the WWE's production values to tell that story. I mean, imagine Jeremy Borash. Jeremy Borash could be the... Jeremy Borash is responsible for so much of this great stuff we see. I believe Jeremy Borash is responsible for those amazing... That amazing Zia Lee vignette that we saw in NXT, which was great. Oh, what a great vignette. A great vignette will make you care more about a superstar. Not to say that Zia Lee is anything to squawk at, but Zia Lee is, I, she's never been a main event person. She's never been a title holder in NXT. I think that that vignette on NXT this week was so good that it made us care more about Zia Lee, which is what vignettes are supposed to do. Now, I bring that up because you could get Jeremy Borash involved and not only could he be an on-screen person, but he could be, you know, part of the crew that that edits and produces the the doc. But beyond that doc, you could have the best of AJ Styles in TNA, the best of Samoa Joe in TNA, the best of Kurt Angle in TNA, the best of Ric Flair in TNA, Mick Foley in TNA, like all this stuff that directly associates with active roster WWE. I mean, Abyss is on the WWE payroll now. Abyss could tell his story. There's got to be so many great TNA stories from all the people that are now on the WWE roster. I think if, if, if WWE had that footage and the fact that TNA now uses Impact, like they're just Impact Wrestling, if WWE could have brokered a deal to buy the tape library and the intellectual property associated with TNA, ugh, ugh, they wouldn't even have to leave. Just the, just the stuff they have in-house along with that footage and IP would make for some amazing, amazing network programming. I'm not going to sit there and watch old episodes of Impact. But I will watch the stories be told about those old episodes. So that's something I would love WWE to do. I'd love them to, to, to buy out a lot of the old Ring of Honor stuff. And we could see, you know, the rise of Tyler Black in Ring of Honor, who would become Seth Rollins. We could follow AJ Styles' run into Ring of Honor. We could, you know, all that stuff. The CM Punk stuff. And we've seen it, you know, talk about WWE being open for business. We've seen lots of TNA footage on the WWE Network in the past when they're telling AJ Styles' story, when they're when they're doing table for threes. CM Punk had had and Kevin Owens had Ring of Honor footage on their on their bios. CM Punk's, I think, was the first on his DVD back when, you know, those bios would come out and they'd still be on DVD. CM Punk had Ring of Honor footage on his, and that was a big, big deal, but open for business. It made sense for both parties. This is the way we'll tell CM Punk's story. And this is great publicity for Ring of Honor. And they, maybe they'll make a couple of bucks uh, off the whole deal. So I think that's that's what it means when you hear uh, WWE talk about being open for business. And of course, that all comes, it stems from what's going on in AEW right now, which is whatever kind of partnership is going on with Impact Wrestling. And look, I think it's exciting. You know, I, I, I think it's exciting when stuff is happening in wrestling. I think it's awesome for Impact. You know, I think it's it could be good for AEW. I don't know yet. Like, as of right now, I guess they benefit in the sense that people are talking about a storyline because it's such an unexpected storyline. But ultimately, let's see if they benefit as much as Impact does by getting Impact's, you know, name across uh, primetime cable television every week. Uh, either way, I think that, that fans benefit from it. You know, I, 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 I wish there was more to talk about with it, quite frankly. You know, I, I, I wish that you didn't sit through a two hour episode of impact only to have nothing really be said other than 
you know, Kenny is a is a is a title collector. Although, you know, that could be a fun gimmick. You know, that, that's here's the thing. If the idea here is that in order for AEW to compete, they're going to partner with every non-WWE wrestling promotion in the world. That's interesting. You know, I still don't think they're shifting the balance of power in sports entertainment. You know, I think that that might be a, a pipe dream. But I'm interested. I like the idea. I mean, but everybody has to be on board. Like, if it's just Impact and AAA, because, you know, right now... Kenny Omega has the AEW title and the AAA title. So you would have to get the Impact title in order for this kind of story to make sense. Um, I wonder if it's going to devalue the Impact title at the end of the day. I mean, honestly, at what cost? Because the number of eyes that are now aware of Impact Wrestling is so much more than before this. So maybe maybe it's fine even if it does devalue the title. Um but I think that you've also got to get if if that's the storyline that you're doing, I think you've got to get Ring of Honor involved. You've got to get every even sort of big promotion. You got to get him involved to the point that Kenny Omega ends up coming to the ring looking like the Ultimo Dragon because otherwise, it's just oh you know it's it's always interesting to see a guy on another person's television show. But ultimately, what is it you know and and and. If it's not an invasion, because invasions get everybody excited. The NWO was so successful that, of course, an invasion storyline is going to get everybody excited. And that's what got everybody excited when this whole thing first started. Oh, invasion, 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 and thinking about, you know, the guys in Impact going over to AEW and vice versa and the matches that you're going to get. But we haven't seen that yet. We see, We saw the same statement kind of twice on two different, uh, uh, on Impact and then on Dynamite. So, um, you know, I don't know. I think it's got the potential to be really cool, but it's also got the potential to just be a bunch of potential. If it's just, I, so I feel like what's going on right now is a lot of stuff is being targeted towards wrestling fans. You know, I, I, I think the idea of, Offering, I don't think that the lapsed wrestling fan wants the stuff that they had in 1999. I don't think that the way to get the lapsed wrestling fan long-term is to bring out people from the Attitude Era. This is for both. Like in WWE's case, long-term, the lapsed wrestling fan doesn't come back just because Steve Austin shows up. And long-term, the lapsed wrestling fan doesn't show up just because Sting is back. You know, I, the lapsed wrestling fan, I think, is going to come back when they get that feeling again that they got when they watched wrestling in 1999, which is whether you're a fan or not, this entertainment, this form of entertainment has become undeniable. You have got to see this. That's what it's got to be all about. You know, I think as, as I watch, like, I, I think that the one thing that wrestling is missing right now across the board, you know, I see it a little bit. I, I, I see I see it peeking through on NXT. And I do see it on SmackDown. I think SmackDown, the storylines being told on SmackDown are becoming pretty spectacular. Some of the stuff that Roman Reigns is doing is the type of stuff that you could show anybody and they'd be like, oh, this is pretty cool. This is interesting. That's the type of stuff we need across the board. Like, I, I am at a point with WWE now where I think that they're better than they've been uh, all year. You know, I, I, I watch Raw and I find myself really interested in what's going to happen between Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. I find myself really interested when I watch SmackDown on what's going to happen between Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. When I watch NXT, I am interested in finding out what the title scene is going to look like. You know, in my head, when I see Kyle O'Reilly and Pete Dunne and Damian Priest all coming out asking for a title shot and, and Finn Balor says, well, Regal can figure that out. And then Scarlett comes out. So Karrion Cross is back and then Karrion Cross comes out and he beats up Damian Priest. I'm like, okay, I'm interested. You know, in my head, 
I am thinking that once uh, we get to New Year's Evil, we're looking at a triple threat, Balor versus Dunn versus Kyle O'Reilly, which is going to be off the charts. And then I think we're looking at Damian Priest versus Karrion Cross, which is going to be a tough loss for Damian Priest, but a necessary win for Karrion Cross. Um, but I, I, there's, there's a, a word that I think has to be associated with professional wrestling. And that word is urgency. There has to be a sense. I think for wrestling to be at its best, there has to be a sense of, oh my God, I missed something. You know, even with the, with the Kenny Omega going to another promotion stuff, it's potentially very interesting, potentially. But after I watched the promo on Impact, I was like, that was, a, that was a great promo. Like, okay, you know, we're telling a story here. This is very good. Obviously, Don Callis is amazing. Like, the whole thing's great. But if I had missed it, would I have had to go back to see it? Or could somebody have just texted me and said, oh, yeah, he said he's the collector now. I'm like, okay, well, I got it then. You know, that's not urgency. That's interesting. It's not bad, but it's not urgency. It's not this thing of like, you have to turn this on. And I think that, that, that a lot of wrestling has been missing a sense of urgency, consistent urgency for so long that it needs to be happening every single week. Like there, there have to be moments on every single show across the board where you go, oh my God, you've got to see it. And some of them are going to be bad, you know? Like, I know that the 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 Bobby Lashley-Lana wedding, that is a segment that I feel like we go back to on this podcast a lot. Because there are fans that didn't like it, and that's fine. But I remember specifically, when that segment was on, I did not have Raw on. I had to, I, there was something else that was happening. Maybe it was something for the radio show. Maybe I had to watch a screener of a movie or something like that. And I put Raw on the DVR and said, I'll watch it tomorrow after the show. But I was looking at my Twitter and everybody was talking about this over-the-top, crazy wedding angle that was going down on Raw right now. And I turned it on because I felt like I got to... I got to watch this. I got to be involved with this. And then as I watched the segment, that's the type of segment where words wouldn't have explained it enough. Like if you really want to get what's going on, then Liv Morgan comes out and then this comes out and Rusev's in the cake and you're waiting for it. and Nobody shows up and Lana's going nuts. And like all this stuff is happening. And you're like, I guess I got to watch this. I guess I just have to watch this to get this. You know, it's like when, when Triple H married Stephanie McMahon, when we talk about wedding angles. That's one of those things that you have to watch it. Like, yeah, and then she had a drink, but she found out that the drink was spiked, and then and that was last week, and then Triple H brought her to a drive-thru wedding. They showed him at a drive-thru wedding? Yeah, 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 they showed him at a drive-thru wedding, and then he drives through, and you're like, oh, forget it. Let me just watch this. I got to watch this. That's the type of stuff that I think wrestling needs to have every single week right now. If you want to talk about lapsed fans, if you want to talk about getting people involved, it's this thing where where... You just get excited watching. And of course, these stories have to lead. You know, these stories have to go somewhere. But I feel like like we've been missing long-term stories in wrestling for so long that anytime there's a hint of a long-term story, even if it's completely predictable, because these days when we do get long-term storytelling, a lot of it is very predictable. But when you're at the beginning of a story, and you go, oh man, that's great long-term storytelling. It's not that great if you know what it is already. Like, the Roman Reigns story that's being told, I'm starting to believe that that is great long-term storytelling. But we didn't know this was a long-term story until we got here. In fact, we were skeptical of it at first. Roman Reigns comes back at SummerSlam and we don't even know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. Then he shows up on SmackDown and he's a bad guy and he's awesome. But we find out his first opponent is going to be Jey Uso. And I remember there were wrestling experts going, well, that's a total waste of a main event. We know, we know that Jey Uso is not going to win the title. So why bother? This is stupid. 
but it wasn't stupid because it was building blocks. And I remember saying it at the time, like, as I came to the realization after the match was happening, that the reason this match is happening is that, that this match has to happen as the main event to a pay-per-view so we can expose the character that, Ro- that Roman Reigns is at the highest level so that, so that, that, that we can see the way he treats his family, so we can see what head of the table means. And this story has been told brick by brick by brick without us even realizing that we're now wrapped up in this long story. We will get to whatever happens at WrestleMania having been completely wrapped up in this story and not realizing that it was a long-term story until we're chest deep in the water. We thought this was the shallow end like usual. We thought this was ankle deep. But now I'm up to my nips in water. How did this happen? Well, that is good long-term storytelling. To go like, well, nothing really happened this week. Oh, no, no, no. It's long-term storytelling. It's really good. Well, it might be long-term storytelling. And it might be nice to see long-term storytelling. But it's not in the good column of long-term storytelling because you already know what it is as you go in, you know? I think uh, Sting coming back, I was bummed, you know, because I'm a, obviously a WWE loyalist. I love WWE. I always have. The fact that they started becoming uh, uh, so good to me was icing on the cake. I was a WWE loyalist from the beginning of this podcast. I just This is who I am as a person. That's who I am as a fan. But the fact that at the same time, they're like, ah, you know what, Sam? Come on, we'll let you do some stuff on your own terms. Somebody putting that kind of faith in me, it's insane, you know? So that only adds to it. But, but ultimately the reason I'm a WWE loyalist is because that's the kind of wrestling that I like. That's, that's how I view sports entertainment. I don't think anybody touches how good they are at what they do. I mean, we can talk about the, the, the Zia Lee uh, uh, vignette. We can talk about just how slick the production is, that even WWE at its worst is still better than anybody else at their best. And I don't mean like the in-ring action, and I don't mean, I'm not talking about your taste. Like, if it's just not your taste, that's fine. But I'm talking about production value. I'm talking about presentation. I'm talking about the Thunderdome. I'm talking about all of it. It's off the charts amazing, and and it's it's how I like my product presented to me. I wish that Sting and every legend, I wish every legend was under a WWE Legends contract. Not, selfishly, not for them. Not because like, oh, I don't know what they're doing. For me. Because I want all these, now that WWE and WCW and ECW and kind of the history of wrestling are all under one group, right? Like I I now see WWE as the kind of catch-all for professional wrestling up until... Up until 2001, everything up until 2001, it's kind of under that WWE umbrella in the United States anyway. And that's because they bought up everything, you know, they, they own WCW, they own ECW, they own world-class, they own all these territories, like, you know, all of it. There's little pockets here and there that are not under the WWE umbrella, but ultimately when the WWE, let's say they open a museum you can trust that the NWA will be represented. You can trust that world class will be represented. You know, I mean, look at who's look at who they who they honor. You know, people talk about WWE being WWE centric, but look at the retirement ceremony they gave for Ric Flair. Look at the fact that Michael Hayes is is still a top ranking WWE official. W, they're putting out a Michael P. S. Hayes action figure. Now, I literally just did a video for Mattel with Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae, Mr. and Mrs. Wrestling, where we revealed the Michael P.S. Hayes Freebird action figure. I want all these legends to get an action figure, to be in the video game, to show up on WWE TV from time to time. I love it. But I guess that's not going to happen. However... What I what I what I I don't like, and I don't want to happen, and this is and 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 I, we've had these experiences with WWE is 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 those legends 
sucking up all the uh, 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 all the star power, sucking up the spotlight. You know, I was very high on the idea that uh, um, Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre could headline WrestleMania this year. I still think that that's the way to go. I think you watch that match at Survivor Series and you realize you're watching something special. You're watching something that that talk about a long-term story. That's a story that can be told. Like that that's a story that you can make a documentary about in 10 years. How they've said and I mean this is what I love. They say that John Cena was the last big star. That there's never going to be one star that the WWE revolves around. How are you going to stop it? How are you going to stop it? What if there is one person that rises above the rest? What if there is one person that's that good? What if there is one person that connects with the audience in a way that the WWE has no choice but to just go with, oh, they'll never put him over. They'll never put him over. That's nonsense. That's BS. Total BS. Because I'm telling you right now, when you look at Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns, you look at a match between two guys that on a very real level both see themselves as the number one person in WWE. No matter who wants to say there's never going to be another top guy the way John Cena was a top guy, it was it was Hogan, it was Austin, Rock, Cena, and that's the end of the company revolving around one guy. I think in Roman Reigns' heart of hearts, he doesn't see it that way. He sees himself as being the guy that WWE should revolve around. And I think in Drew McIntyre's heart of hearts, he doesn't see it that way. This is the real. This is the real guy. This is Joe, Roman Reigns, Joe. And I mean, Drew is Drew. It's his name, Drew. But this is Joe and Drew. Before they go to sleep at night thinking, no, that's my... It's my company. I want what every other top guy has ever had. There's a real competition there. And there's a real reality that one of those two is going to come out of this era as the guy. Roman Reigns is finally at this point where it's not he's the guy because Vince wants him to be. Roman Reigns is finally at this point where you watch him and the reason he's in all the main events and the top guy and getting all the attention is not because they're pushing him down our throats. It's because he's the most compelling character and he's the best. And Drew McIntyre is in the same boat. I don't think, that's not the feeling that I get. And I don't think that that's the feeling that the fans get, that Drew McIntyre is being shoved down our throats. I think that that's a guy who is legitimately the best. And the same way Austin, on a very real level, knew that when The Rock started rising, when that fame started going up and up, that Austin could not take his top spot for granted. And there was a very real competition between Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock as to who was that guy that was the man. You know, I mean, there are stories about Stone Cold Steve Austin signing autographs and writing number one on the autographs. And that was because he wanted to make sure that everybody knew he was number one. And in those stories, they talk about how The Rock saw that and it bothered him. It bothered him that Steve Austin wrote number one because he thought he was number one. I think that that's the energy you're getting from Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. And I don't know if you literally have to tell that story. You know, I think that you can just tell a story of, Drew is the good guy and Roman is the bad guy and 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 but you'll have that you can that story is what's told in the match. That story was told at Survivor Series and it wasn't told through words. It was told through the match. It is got to be so much more difficult even in the Thunderdome to wrestle without live fans being there. To not pick up on the energy of the crowd, to not change what you do as you're listening to what the crowd likes and doesn't like, to just have faith in whatever's in your head as a performer. And the fact that Drew and Roman were able to have the match that they had at Survivor Series without an audience, 
regardless of the fact that you can't have Roman Reigns versus The Rock in a stadium with no people in it, it makes no sense. I think even if you had people, man, it's time to reward the people that are there full time and do Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. So the rumored WrestleMania card that hit the internet this week, and I completely don't believe any of it. Um, and by the like, this is what's so crazy about the internet. The one day, these are one day apart. I believe if that, I think one report came out on Friday and one or maybe Thursday and one report came out on Friday or Saturday, but they were like one day apart. The first day, the report is that Drew McIntyre is penciled in for the main event of WrestleMania in the WWE Championship match. The next day, the report is that Keith Lee, I said Keith Lee, yeah, Keith Lee penciled in for the WWE Championship match. The next day, the report is that Keith Lee is being sent to the PC and fans are outraged. Fans are acting like Vince McMahon is not a proper judge of character and that, and that Vince McMahon can't possibly be serious about this stuff. He can't possibly be doing this. I was trying to bask in his glory. He doesn't know what he's doing. Well, which is true, Internet. If you just believe what you read on the Internet because you read it on the Internet, and it could both be true, what if Vince McMahon is in his head, seeing Keith Lee as the guy who's going to headline WrestleMania. So before he gets to WrestleMania, he wants Keith Lee to get a couple more reps in before you lose your mind about stuff. Before we get into the WrestleMania rumors, there was a report that came out that uh, a bunch of the big guys, I think it was a Dave Meltzer report, that he says a bunch of the big guys are going over to uh, the Performance Center. I think the names that he gave out were Keith Lee, Otis, Dabakato, and the AJ Styles bodyguard, almost. I don't know if there was anybody else in there, but those are the big names that I remember. And the Keith Lee name was the one that drove everybody crazy. You know, the Otis name was something, but, you know, I mean, and people made all these observations. Well, you know, reports were that McMahon was high on Otis and Keith Lee, and then two months later, he sends him to the PC. I mean... Talk about a guy who can't make up his mind. It's a dumb take. It's a dumb take. If you believe both those things, because you read them on the internet, so of course they're true. If you believe both those things, then what if people are being sent to the performance center because there's potential viewed in them? Do you know that the people in NXT still go to the performance center? Like, are we aware of this? That... Lots of people go to the Performance Center. Do you know that football players practice when they're not on the field? Do we know this? That, 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 that when they're not playing games, football players practice. And look, WWE wrestles in a different and unique style. So even if Keith Lee has all this experience elsewhere, he's just kind of wrapping his head around what wrestling looks like in a WWE ring, which is the way it is. Like, well, it shouldn't be different. Well, it should be different because WWE clearly knows what they're doing. You know, you don't, I, at this point, no matter how many bad decisions were to get made, if you think decisions are bad, Vince McMahon has done enough for wrestling where, I'm not even going to get into it because you guys will call me a show. But <laughs> but you don't tell a genius how to do his job. Steve Jobs screwed up all the time. But when he says this is what phones should look like, all right, I'm going to go with Steve. What am I going to do? Say he doesn't know what he's talking about? When Walt Disney, and there were tons of bad Disney movies, but when he says we're going to do a movie about a lion who's the king, all right, that's the movie we're doing. Walt said so. And until WWE is not the monster of a global company that it is, maybe we trust Vince on some stuff. But people practice. People perfect their craft, especially in something that's an athletic performance. Now, even further than that, you're now wrestling in conditions that you've never really wrestled before. And I guess you could argue that, you know, when you've wrestled on the indies, you know better than anybody what it's like to wrestle in front of no people. But you don't know what it's like to wrestle for TV cameras in front of no people. That's what, like, it's not the same thing. 
to wrestle in a gym in front of no people is not the same as wrestling in a room in front of no people with 2 million people watching at home. When 2 million people are watching at home, you have to wrestle like there's 10,000 people in an arena because for the 2 million watching at home, they're not expecting their TV product to have changed. And if it does change, they're probably not going to watch. Now, the thing about these WWE superstars, right, is you look at a guy like Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman had all this potential, right? He's a big guy. People love watching him break things. People love watching him break people. All the stuff he did with Roman, it, it put him through the roof, right? And he was wrestling jobbers every week on Raw. You know why he was wrestling jobbers every week on Raw? Because he hadn't perfected his craft yet. And if you look at, to me, if you look at Braun Strowman and you watch when he really started to get good, not, not to say that Braun Strowman is the next breath of Hitman Hart, but you know what I'm saying, that, that, are, that Braun Strowman can handle himself in a ring. And a Braun Strowman match is not going to be a mess, you know? Braun Strowman started to get really, really, really good during his rivalry with Roman Reigns. And it wasn't because he was on TV every week. It was because he was wrestling four house shows a week. It was because like four times a week, he was in the ring with Roman Reigns. So over the course of a month, he's wrestled Roman Reigns in 16 matches. So if if, if that goes for three months, you're talking about 48 matches with Roman Reigns in three months. I mean, being an expert at something is all about the hours that you put into it, right? So it's not like guys are getting sent down to the PC and they're going to be erased from television and they're going to be repackaged and, oh, he just doesn't have it. It's not like guys are being sent down to the PC and going, well, we're not going to release them, but we're just going to keep them off TV and put them in the PC. It's, you know, if we had house shows, he would be getting better faster. And everybody can get better. But we don't have house shows. So how do we get more reps in? People need reps. Wrestlers need reps. How do we get more reps in? Send them to the PC. You know, I don't have a problem with people going to the PC. We were talking about the PC. This idea that, that, that the Undertaker might be joining as a coach. And how that would mean that there was a wrestling school in Florida that Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and The Undertaker are running. In Long Island, Pat Buck and Kurt Hawkins run Create-A-Pro. Fabulous school, by the way. We had a ton of great graduates. And in Orlando, Triple H and Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker have their school. Look, if you found out that, that MJF was going back to Create-A-Pro three times a week because AEW wasn't doing live shows, you wouldn't be like, what the hell is Tony Khan's problem? You'd be like, oh, MJF is trying to better himself. That makes sense. He's a young guy. He hasn't had this many reps. And again, I'm not saying that, 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 that Keith Lee is 23, but I am saying that this is a terrible time to be starting on the main roster when you haven't been on the main roster before because you can't get in front of people and you can't become a master. It's not even about being good or bad. It's about reaching your potential. And if Keith Lee wasn't being sent to the Performance Center, maybe it's because Vince was like, he just sucks. He's not going to get any better. You know? what? I've never met a pessimistic, successful person. When you hear the news that Keith Lee is going to the Performance Center and you immediately think, and maybe it is a bad thing, you know? But I'm an optimistic person and I don't see it as a bad thing. If I'm Keith Lee, and I bet Keith Lee doesn't see it as a bad thing. I bet Keith Lee is sure of himself and his abilities enough to know. Like, did you see when Vince McMahon, on the Keith Lee WWE 24 doc, when Vince McMahon goes, uh, we're going to have to make some changes, but we're going to find the real you. And he's like kind of, he's, the way he's talking to Keith Lee, he's explaining to it. Like, you can clearly see that Vince has sees potential in Keith, but that he's not there yet. And there are a lot of people that would take that and go like, what do you mean I'm not there yet? I thought I was there. I thought I had it. Well, you don't know what you're talking about. 
Instead, Keith Lee goes, I can't wait to take over this industry. That guy has the faith in me. I'm going to listen to everything that man says. And I'm going to apply it to the knowledge that I already have. And I'm going to use that to take over the industry. Or I could be a guy who mopes in the corner and goes like, oh, I shouldn't be at the performance center. You know, I mean, if Sirius was like, Sam, you know, I mean, I guess Sirius is a little different because I work every day. But like, let's say I could only do a show once a week. But they were like, ah, we want you to master your craft. You're going to go and uh, you're going to do some mock shows with like the greatest broadcasters of all time. I mean, it's tough for me to figure that out because I already am the greatest broadcaster of all time. But it would be like, it would be like if WWE were like, Sam, we want you to do commentary. So what we're going to do is we're going to get you ready for Raw. And in the meantime, we want you to go to Florida and we want you to do mock commentary shows with Michael Cole. And then he'll tell you what you're doing right and wrong. I'd be like, that's effing incredible. That's amazing. I'm going to sit there and get to do reps with one of the greatest people to ever do it. And you can hate on that statement all you want. But Michael, I mean, Michael Cole's Michael Cole, okay? Michael Cole was the backstage interviewer, Bad Blood 97, okay? There's a reason he's been there as long as he's been there. And he can do things WWE way. And But I'm telling you, man, everybody is like shocked. Go back to that first episode of SmackDown when they had to cancel, you know, when, when, when they were first shutting down live shows and it was the empty PC and they weren't ready for it and Michael Cole was there doing half the show by himself and the other half with Triple H. Michael Cole was a genius and everybody was like, oh, I didn't realize Michael Cole was this good because he is. But if they were like, yep, we want you to, we want, we want you to do that and then Michael Cole is going to tell you what you're doing right and wrong. I'd be like, well, that sounds incredible because if I'm going to learn, I'd like to learn from the best. You think Adam Cole, after all his years in wrestling, is annoyed that he gets taught by Shawn Michaels? That would be like if, if any star in the NBA, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're LeBron James. If you're LeBron James... Well, maybe not LeBron James. Maybe LeBron James. If you're LeBron James and the commissioner of the NBA goes, you have a ton of potential, but I think you could be even better. I want, I set you up with private coaching lessons from Michael Jordan. If, if you're LeBron James, you'd be a fool not to be like, that's okay, great, awesome. And by the way, we know the people in the performance center think the world of Keith Lee and want him to succeed. You know how we know that? Because when the people in the performance center were running things, he won all the titles. He had all the belts. He had the NXT championship and the North American championship. So it's not like Keith Lee's going to get to the performance center and they're going to go, what do we do with this guy? So that's how I thought about that. But especially the fact that it came on the heels of the WrestleMania rumors. That the 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 rumors that they had for WrestleMania were uh, that the Raw main event for the WWE Championship would be Keith Lee, Drew McIntyre, and Bill Goldberg. I mean, not Bill Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, in a triple threat. Which Brock, I don't even think Brock Lesnar is signed, so I I don't know how they'd be like, yep, that's our plan. Now we'll just sign Brock Lesnar. <laughs> um, so that's the rumor on the Raw side, and then. The SmackDown side is Roman Reigns versus Bill Goldberg. But I truly think that that's only a SmackDown side rumor because Bill Goldberg mentioned something on the bump this week. And then they also, the other rumor is Randy Orton versus Edge, which I think has been a rumor forever. And it's like, what are you going to get mad at Randy Orton versus Edge? I have no problem with that. Um, but, you know, going back to like legends, right? Going back to Sting in AEW. I don't ever want to see Sting wrestle. I'm one of these guys who I'm I, I'm not a fan of the Sting Triple H match from WrestleMania 31. I think that that was the wrong way to go. I'll tell you why I'm really not a fan of that match. 
The NWO came out and helped Sting. It bothered me so much when it happened. It bothers me to this day. First of all, it's like so weirdly canon because we all know that Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are Triple H's best friends. You know, so like when Hogan Hall and Nash come out to help Sting and X-Pac, Billy, and Road Dog, or Sean, I don't remember who it was, but when DX helps Triple H, which that makes sense. But the NWO helps Sting bothered me to no end for two reasons. Number one, most of the people in the NWO would help Triple H. They're Triple H's best friends. We know this. Even in canon, we know this. And number two, Sting, like at Sting's peak, he was a rival of the NWO. Like the Sting, Crow Sting, the reason to this day Sting comes out and he's wearing Crow makeup and he's not Surfer Sting is because of one rivalry, the Hogan rivalry. The reason that Sting is so, was so popular in 1997 and the reason that Sting's Crow makeup is the most iconic version of Sting is because of how good the buildup was to Hogan versus Sting. Now, you know, the match was a train wreck. It was a, because of the finish, you know, not because of Hogan or Sting, but just because the finish was such a train wreck. But, and it was a colossal disappointment ultimately. But that's why. So seeing Hogan come out to help Sting, who's wearing his crow makeup, I was like, why would Hollywood Hogan help Sting? If we're just going off of nostalgia, pure nostalgia, everybody out there should be on Triple H's side. The people coming out to help Sting should be DDP, should be Lex Luger. Could be Buff Bagwell, I guess, but he'd have to dress up as Marcus Alexander Bagwell. He couldn't be Buff the stuff. You know, it, it would have to be the WCW loyal. It, could, it, had to be, it would have to be Piper. It would have to, you know, unfortunately... A lot of them are deceased now. I don't know that they were deceased at WrestleMania 31, though. Um, but yeah, it would have to be DDP and the WCW guys that would come out to help Sting, not the NWO. That made no sense to me. And just, the, yeah, that WrestleMania 31, I thought the opportunity was missed to see The Undertaker versus Sting. Now, as we go five years in the future, six years in the future, we're approaching WrestleMania 37, I have no interest in a Sting-Undertaker match anymore. What's gone is gone. We missed it. I don't care about a Sting-Undertaker cinematic match. You know, I, I if you told me, okay, you know, I'm sure we could build to it. But, you know, it's no longer an interpromotional thing. It's no longer about who's the best. It's cinematic. I just, I would rather see The Undertaker have a cinematic match with many other people. I'd rather see a John Cena-Undertaker cinematic match. I would rather see another Boneyard match with AJ. I'd There's many other matches that I would see, prefer to see, than Undertaker versus Sting in a cinematic match. I just have no desire to see it. So the idea that the rumor is that uh, Sting wanted to do that and Vince didn't want to, I'm I'm not shocked by that because I just, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't care about that match anymore. I wish I'd seen it at WrestleMania 31. I don't want to see it for WrestleMania 37. Um, but I hope he's never going to wrestle again. Not because I don't want to see the guy wrestle, but because it's just not his time anymore, you know? I was thinking about the idea of, imagine if we actually did Goldberg versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. The announcement would be met with, it. I mean, a lot of people would want to regurgitate. A lot of people would not be happy. But I think that the, but look, as we said, WWE is open for business. Bill Goldberg's open for business. Ultimately, every time Bill Goldberg is on TV, the ratings go up. Every time Bill Goldberg is on pay-per-view, it's a bigger match. So I get, trust me, as a wrestling fan, I get the same feeling that you do when they announce the Goldberg. And it's not Goldberg's fault. Here's why. Here's why you get that feeling. Because number one, he almost killed The Undertaker. And we've now seen that in documentary form. And number two, I don't want to even talk about his match with The Fiend. I'm telling you, man, the match that Goldberg had with The Fiend, I can't even think about it. It's so upsetting. I can't, I can't, I can't even bring it up. So 
That's why. If Bill Goldberg comes back, he needs to, at this point, only be coming back to be killed. You know, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Bill Goldberg at WrestleMania this year if either Roman Reigns breaks him in half or The Fiend eats him. It's got to be one of those two things happening. If Goldberg is at WrestleMania, I either want to see he gets eaten by The Fiend, and I mean both of these very literally, or he gets broken in half by Roman Reigns. And then, you know, and then he goes home and, and he's healthy Bill Goldberg, and I'd love to have him on the podcast sometime and talk about his career, and he's an icon, and he's the man. Bill Goldberg, Goldberg's the man. Don't get me wrong here. He doesn't suck. He's the man. However, it's 2020, going to be 2021. There's a lot of people in WWE to make icons out of. Roman Reigns is one of them. Drew McIntyre is one of them. The Fiend is one of them. When Stone Cold Steve Austin was on top, and it was a little bit different, because when Stone Cold Steve Austin was on top, the guy that had been on top before them, before him, became competition. So like you would say when Stone Cold Steve Austin was on top, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Because when Stone Cold Steve Austin was on top, he was portrayed as being on top. Not, you know, the guy before him was not portrayed as more famous than him, Hogan. But that's because Hogan was the competition at that point. So they actually tried to squash what he did to make Austin's stuff sound better. When Cena was on top, Austin was, yeah, Austin was showcased as more famous than Cena. That's true. That's true. I think that we can change that now. I think it's time to change it. I, I, and I think that, that Goldberg owes this one. And I don't think that the Braun Strowman thing was the one that he owed us. I think on a big level, on a big stage, in the right match, we need to see Goldberg get destroyed. And I mean destroyed to the point where it's uncomfortable. I think that's, that's what I'd like to see Bill Goldberg give towards pro wrestling. I'd like to see Bill Goldberg go out there and just be the sacrificial lamb. Almost to the point where you go, oh my God, what is he? So like, you know, and, and, and I, do, I, I do think it'd be cool to see The Fiend do it, to tell you the truth. Because I don't think that we'll look upon Roman Reigns as less than. But I think that it, it, man, they always do this with Bray. Like they, Bray got the match with John Cena at WrestleMania 30. And he lost, you know. Technically, I guess he, he did retire John Cena in the Firefly Funhouse match, which was good, but it wasn't the same as winning in a straight-up match, you know. I mean, he got the match with, Cena at WrestleMania 30, he lost. He got the match with Undertaker at WrestleMania 31, he lost. He, as The Fiend, got the big Hell in a Cell match with Seth Rollins, and while Seth Rollins didn't beat him, he still didn't win that match. He finally wins the Universal Championship, only to get the match with Goldberg now. He lost. Cena. Undertaker, Goldberg. Like, we have to, it's one thing, he killed Kurt Angle, he killed Jerry Lawler, he killed Finn Balor, he killed, he killed The Miz. I guess he's, I hope he's going to kill Randy Orton. And then he's got to kill Goldberg. The Fiend has got to kill Goldberg. To really be like, oh my God, this guy's unstoppable. I think, the Fiend should not be Universal Champion or WWE Champion. He's on Raw because of his choice, not because he can't win the title. I think, I think it'd be great. So, I think obviously Drew versus Roman should be WrestleMania. But if not, I wouldn't mind seeing Keith Lee versus Drew at WrestleMania with Keith Lee as a heel. I think Keith Lee needs to turn heel immediately. 
And then, you know, you could go to the Fiend Roman Reigns. I know that was the plan going into last year's WrestleMania, or at least that was the rumor. So you could go to Roman Reigns versus the Fiend this year. I mean, it would be a good look for Keith Lee to win the Royal Rumble and then maybe turn heel on his way to WrestleMania. I don't see the Fiend winning the Royal Rumble, but he could win an Elimination Chamber match. You know, I don't know. We could go a lot of different ways. Look, I appreciate all you guys. Don't forget to join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash NotSamWrestling. You get an additional Not Sam Wrestling podcast every single week. Less than a dollar a week, you're going to get an additional wrestling podcast every single week. You're going to get this podcast early and ad-free. And you're going to get access to our Discord room, which I'm in every day and all the Not Sam shills are in every day. For a little more, you'll get to every video early. For a little more, you get to watch the podcast live. There's so many benefits to being a, a Not Sam shell. So sign up now at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. Don't forget to watch the show, Not Sam Wrestling, on the free version of the WWE Network every single Thursday morn. And, and... We're updating the YouTube channel. Finally, we're playing catch-up. I was uh, working all weekend at uh, putting up clips from the from the network show as well as the interviews that we do on this podcast. So you'll be seeing new videos added to youtube.com slash wrestling every day, all the time. Tons of content. So make sure you subscribe to that channel too. Leave a review uh, for this podcast on Apple. Subscribe to us. Listen to us on Spotify, however you want to do it. And we'll see you next week, or hopefully if you're on Patreon Thursday, for another episode of Not Sam Wrestling. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.